0: Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number six. After our usual segments of In the Kitchen and Movement Makeover, we will be discussing stress and parenthood. If you would like to submit a question, head on over to realmomsreallife.com. Don't forget, all of the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning, Beth. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Just We took our dog to the a, a doggy daycare today to get an assessment because we're going out of town in a couple weeks and we wanted to board her. Mm-hmm. And so that went well. She passed. So oh. that is a nice little weight <laughs> off of my chest that we have a place to put her. For
1: sure. My old dog would never pass something like that. <laughs> so that was always really stressful oh well good I'm glad where are you guys going
0: we're gonna go every year my family goes to deep creek maryland as a um get together with my dad's old college buddies actually and we go skiing and we all right well now we have to rent two houses because there's well we one of our friends have a house and then we rent a second house because there's so many generations that come and we ski and we eat and we just hang out for three days that's awesome, that sounds amazing yeah it's it's a it's a good time i I it's a lot to bring the little one, although I think this year will be even better. every year gets a little bit easier um, but it's always it's always a nice time.
1: Nice. very cool. Anything new with you? Nothing too crazy. Um, I have my group program still going, and it's just been really, really cool to see people's responses like so this was the second week that I've run it and it's like already just some like things people were saying were like oh my gosh like I never knew I could listen to my own body and like you know some w- one woman's uh, homework assignment is just to like know what it feels like to have food in her stomach because she was like I don't know what that means you know so it was really cool to, and she's like 75 years old she's like never been like wait a minute I can actually listen to my own hunger cues I don't need to eat on a like this perfect schedule that's so incredible. it was really cool and like I already had someone like and weight loss isn't even a goal like someone's already lost three pounds like she's like I've had enough energy to like re um, organize like two closets that I've been meeting to for years and then you know someone else is just finally drinking water and she's like my skin looks so much better so there's just like a lot of awesome feedback it's a really cool really cool vibe so
0: I'm so glad and we did link to that group in our Show notes, I believe, from last week, but I can put them in again this week, um, just as a reminder for everybody to go try go find Andrea's group.
1: This is a different like so. There's like a group program that I'm doing in person. Oh, this is a different but, one. But I have my Facebook group, and you should definitely come join that too.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure there will always be groups that Andrea's running. So yeah, do you just just go follow her and you'll find out okay. all,
1: all about them. My intent is to put it online. So uh, yes, <laughs>
0: yes. Online groups. That's that's
1: my goal. <laughs> goal in life is to live behind my
0: computer. <laughs> as, as terrible as that is. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to our first tip of the week for in the kitchen. My tip this week is to use something that you can set it and forget it. Whether it's a slow cooker or an electric pressure cooker. My love of the love of my life is my instant pot. We use it for. Literally everything, and the idea that I can make a like tender and flavorful and savory stew in under an hour is just beyond me. And I've got a bunch of recipes on my website for my favorite beef stews, but I'm not one of those people that because with my schedule, I don't really need to set it in the morning and let it go all day, with which is what a slow cooker is better for. But for me, it's a lot more ideal when I get home, to be able to throw it in, maybe get the kid from daycare, clean up a little bit, and then it should just be done. And a lot of times I'll prep it in the morning and then just throw it in there later. And I just absolutely love it. And it makes my life so much easier.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I love my Instant Pot for sure. I, yeah, I feel like everyone needs to get one, because you can use it as a slow cooker. So it's amazing. And I just discovered that you can put a whole like butternut squash or spaghetti squash in it. I don't know why I had never thought to do that before. Um, and it obviously cooks it way faster and it like comes out of its shell so much easier. So that was pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I've done spaghetti squash in there a couple times. Although my my spaghetti squashes are always a little bit too big. So I could only oh. do half at a time. So it's <laughs> maybe a little bit. It's still, it's still faster. And I actually also love doing hard-boiled eggs in there. They peel so easily. It's amazing. Yeah. If you're ever like going to a party or making deviled eggs or something, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's awesome. I I hate
1: peeling eggs. Okay. Awesome. I'll have to try that for sure. (laughs) All right. So move us on to our movement makeover, Andrea. All right. So what I wanted to talk about today is stretching your toes and your feet. They are such a neglected part of our body. (laughs) So a lot of women, especially, you know, you might be wearing heels all day or even just a lot of shoes that you wear are too narrow for our feet so one this is different from our uh, stretch that i'm going to talk about in a second but one thing that you can look at to see if your shoes are too narrow is if you flip your shoe upside down so the sole is up and then you can step on it with the opposite foot right because it'll be like a mirror image of it and so if you like are stepping on it and you have your toes spread your toes should still fit within your shoe if they're not then your toes, your um, toes are getting squished. So I would say, I don't know, I'm making up statistics. 95% of shoes out there are going to be too narrow for your toes. Like if you stand on them, your big toe and your little toes will be hanging off the end or off the edges. So because of that, our poor little toesies get really tight and um, need to be stretched out. So One thing that you can do to just fit it into your day is when you're down on the floor, because if you're a mom, you're probably down on the floor throughout the day, is you can tuck your toes underneath you, and you really want to be intentional about this. Make sure your toes aren't – like my left toe is really – my left big toe is really tight, so if I'm not paying attention and I just tuck my toes underneath it, it'll just kind of like (laughs) – it'll like not be tucked under like the rest. It kind of just hangs out to the side. So I have to like force it to tuck under and then just gently sit back on your toes. You don't want, this shouldn't be painful. It might be a big stretch, but it's definitely not painful. You're not forcing anything. Um, but you can usually feel a really nice stretch to the bottom of your feet. And then, sorry, my dog is playing with a ball. (laughs) And then the other thing is you can do is to stretch them out is wear yoga toes. So you can buy them. I mean, they're a little pricey, but they do work really well. But the other thing you can do if you don't want to spend the money on them is just take a, um, like a pedicure pad and use that as a starter and just wear it between your toes. And that helps to stretch it out. So that's a really good thing you can do while you're just watching TV. Just throw them on and just put your feet up and relax with them. And that'll start to stretch your toes, like pulling them apart from each other. And then the last thing is a stretch and like a strengthener. So if you're familiar with yoga, when you're transitioning from between like the up dog and the down dog position, the what you can do instead of like moving your feet, it's like you're rocking through your feet. So maybe I should make a video on this. But um. If you are on the tops of your feet in up dog, you would then like use your toe muscles, use your feet to then rock you through to the down dog position. So that really makes your toes work and will put a stretch through them. That's,
0: that's, that's great. I um, have those kind of toe stretcher shot, socks. I don't think they're the yoga toes ones, but I would like to note, don't sleep in them the first time you ever use them. Yeah. You want to build up slowly to them, and maybe, I think my package said, like, start with 20 minutes at a time, and so I love the idea of putting them on while you're wearing a TV show, and it's, like, lazy toe stretching. Exactly. I like lazy
1: stretching. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the yoga toes, like, the real ones, they're, they're, like, these big, like, gel, that's not gel, I don't know, it's this, like, like plasticy thing that you put between your toes, like a okay. giant pedicure pad, and, like... I feel like there's probably a lot of people out there that probably can't actually put them on because their toes are so tight because it's a really it is a pretty extreme stretch so that's where you'd want to maybe just start with the manicure pad yeah and I'll, um, I'll
0: find a link to the socks that I got I forget what they're yeah, called right a- now
1: a- but mm-hmm. yeah they're
0: just like socks and they're open toes and they have like a roll of fabric kind of in between each toe yeah. and I feel yeah. like it's a now I wear pretty much all of my shoes fit my feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have, I have, don't really have narrow shoes cause I don't, yeah. I don't enjoy them, Me so, either.
1: <laughs> but I do
0: feel from time to time, some of my sneakers are definitely a little bit more narrow, so mm-hmm. those socks kind of
1: help loosen that up if I'm starting to get a little, my foot crampy. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually getting a bunion on my left, my left toe. I don't know why it's my problem foot, but, um, in doing, like, all these stretches and being, like, really intentional and, like, yoga, like, that's really all I did. I wouldn't say I, like, did anything other anything else special for my toes other than these three things I just mentioned, and, like, it's, it pretty much reversed, reversed it. I mean, obviously, I wasn't to the point where it was, like, a bony issue, but it was definitely, had I not intervened, was gonna get to that point, so, I mean, this stuff works And I didn't, like, do – I wasn't, like, 15 minutes every day do this. It was, like, okay, just all integrating it in with things I was already doing. So,
0: I mean, and the worst part about a bunion is that if you ever want to wear those narrow shoes, you then can't.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right. So let's move on to our topics for the week. We're going to talk – I wanted to talk a little bit more about Brene Brown's – I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago about her – the gifts of imperfect parenting and what really resonated with me when she was talking about shame versus guilt. And I'm going to try to explain it in a way that's easy for everyone to understand. And basically, guilt is when someone who believes that they're inherently good knows that they made a bad decision. So You know, you forget to study for a test. Even though you know that you could have done well, you just, you didn't study as much as you probably knew you should have. So you might feel guilty about that. Shame is when you start to attack yourself and your inner human being for something that doesn't go well. So let's use the test example again and say, shame would be, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. They're not constructive thoughts. They're not helpful thoughts. And it was really enlightening when looking at shame versus guilt. And really, the only way to teach our children shame versus guilt is to show them how we feel it. So, you saying out loud where a child can hear you, I can't believe I did that. I'm so stupid, is much more impactful for a child than you telling your child, no honey you know it's just a learning experience you'll make a better decision next time I believe in you so I realized that a lot of times I have shameful thoughts and a lot of them for me were surrounded by fertility and parenthood and it just I'm a terrible parent or why, you know, why can't I get pregnant? And this is all my fault. And they're not, they're not constructive thoughts. And, and I really wanted to kind of bring this up sort of in the stress of parenthood, how we really, we really can't be shaming ourselves. And we can't be shaming others. I like to believe that the majority of the people listening to this podcast aren't doing mom shaming. But we kind of wanted to talk about the importance of of decreasing stress as much as possible because being a parent I mean really being an adult is stressful and there are some things that we can sort of watch out for when it comes to stress and being mindful of the stress that we feel so the first topic that I wanted to talk about was the importance of sleep and stress do you want to start talking about that Andrea
1: sure um Basically sleep is incredibly important. End of story. No. Um sleep is crucial for our bodies to recover. Um sleep is when our bodies can kind of integrate all the information we, you know, went through during the day and then start repairing our bodies for anything we put it through during the day. And it can be like we could do a whole topic on sleep in itself, but I don't want to get into just like all the benefits of sleep right now. It's like, I want to talk about more how stress can impact sleep because ultimately we all know sleep is really important. And then sometimes knowing that can just be stressful when you're not falling asleep and you're like, Oh my God, I'm supposed to be sleeping. And now this is stressful because I'm not falling asleep. So stress, uh, let's back up. So stress is, every stress reaction is a blood sugar reaction. And we talked about blood sugar last week. So if you didn't listen to that episode, I would go back and listen to that because we talk about how a, you know when you're eating sugar, it can spike your blood sugar levels and how that impacts your body. But the thing is, is also just feeling stress also causes a blood sugar reaction. So it can lead to these spikes throughout the day that happen And when we have all these multiple spikes, it can affect our blood sugar levels throughout the night, and that can ultimately affect our sleep because if our blood sugar levels are dropping, then what's going to happen is our hormone cortisol is going to come in to pull it back up, and that is going to often wake you up in the middle of the night and make it very difficult to fall back asleep. Or even if you're just really stressed before bedtime and you're feeling really anxious about things and you have a million things on your to-do list that you haven't gotten done then it can make it incredibly hard to fall asleep. So some tips for the falling asleep part is have a notebook by your bed. Write down everything that's on your mind. Like get it out. Um, we, I think we talked in one of the earlier episodes about that like just writing for three minutes, free writing like with no intention. Like that could be a really good time to do that. Just get things out of your head. Because if you're, if they're swirling, it makes it very, very difficult to fall asleep. Like I'll sometimes be like, Oh, I'm supposed to set this one thing out in the morning or do this. And it's like, I just make it a reminder on my phone or write it down. So that way it's like done. Like I don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, another really, really good thing is if you still are having those, those swirling thoughts is a sleep meditation. So a nice guided meditation that's you know, telling you to breathe and, and walking you through that process or making you squeeze certain muscles and then relax them. Um, we can oh, – what's it called? A progressive muscle relaxation uh, meditation. Uh, there's apps for that. Calm is really awesome. Headspace is another really awesome one. But, honestly, you can just go on YouTube and find ones. Just make sure it's a voice you like because some people's voices annoy me, and then that's not helpful. <laughs> um, so yeah, you might well, just, then. like, I would – I would spend time finding a meditation you like prior to it being 2 a.m. and you can't fall asleep because <laughs> then it's – I've done this, and then it's more frustrating So I'm like, this voice is stupid. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, have one that you like <laughs> ahead of time. And um, the last thing is really – and I think, again, we can do a whole other top um, podcast on this is just sleep hygiene. So your bed is kind of for sleep and sex, And, you know, you don't want to be having your laptop in bed or watching TV in bed or, you know, doing all these other kind of very engaging activities that wake you up. Um, And then your body starts to associate that, you know, it doesn't have that sleep association with your bed. So really making sure you're turning off the lights, dimming your lights in your house um, ahead of time. You can put orange lights in your nightside table um, in, in the lamp and then um, again, just making sure you're not watching like I don't know crazy shows before bed. I feel like if you start watching all those like action-packed shows, that just really wakes up your mind and starts to stress it out quite a bit. So just being being mindful of all of that. Uh, anyways, that was That's, that was, a, was that good? Yeah, that
0: was great. Yeah, right, and we'll link to a couple of our favorite sleep meditations and I'll link to some kind of low there's a website where you can find low blue light bulbs. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I want to mention about that is one of the things that I feel like is so important with sleep and parenthood is we all know as parents we don't get nearly we don't have the availability to get nearly as much sleep as we used to. You know, whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding or whatever, you have a child when your child's young, they're waking up in the middle of the night. You know what? Your child, when they get older, is probably waking up earlier than you want to. And, you know, maybe you're lucky and maybe you have a child that sleeps from 7 to 7 or something along those lines. But in order to get some you time or some spouse time, partner time at the end of the day, you just, you might, just to get life done, you might not be getting as much sleep. So the sleep that you do get is important for it to be as good as possible. And I do want to kind of re courage that the idea of looking into those more orange colored lights and not those more blue ones because I found when I was nursing my child in the middle of the night I had such a hard time going back to sleep afterwards because I was turning on the light and actually I learned this initially when when I was first pregnant with my first child and I got up to pee in the middle of the night and I turned the light on and I couldn't go back to sleep I was like, why can't I go back to sleep so now I just have this like tiny tiny little light um it's not even like a bulb it's just like a little like slightly colored thing that gives me just enough to see that I don't have to turn anything on and it doesn't disrupt me from going back to sleep I learned to nurse in the dark I refused to let my husband go in and change the diaper because he was like I need the light on to see and I said but I don't care if you can figure out how to go back to sleep the baby didn't go back to sleep after that so Keeping it as dark as humanly possible in the middle of the night, if you are having all those night wakings, is going to maximize the sleep that you do get, because it is the worst. When you're laying there, your kid's back to sleep, you know you've got an hour and a half before they're up again, and you're there staring at the ceiling wondering, what can I do? And I I truly think it kind of goes back to being mindful and being okay with the fact that you know what? This is a time in my life that I'm not going to get as much sleep and I'm going to try to sleep. But if sleep is one of those things that the harder you work at it, the harder it is to do. So you just kind of have to learn to let it go. So I think your mindfulness practices during your waking times are more important. Yes, everyone says to sleep when the baby sleeps, but there's also time where you need to make yourself food and you need to make food for other kids and Maybe you want to clean the house. I'm not telling you have to clean the house because you don't, but maybe you want to. Maybe that's something that's pressing on you, that's on your mind that you're not going to be able to go to sleep if that's the case. So just don't let lack of sleep be an added stressor because sleep in and of itself is a lack of sleep by itself is a stressor. So try not to add additional worry on top of it. Does that sound like a good conclusion for sleep and parenthood and stress?
1: Yes, absolutely. And if you want to take one more element of stress off, we my husband is like really, really into the no blue lights at night. Like I'm not, like it doesn't bother me as much, even though I know it's really important. Um, but he's always like, turn off the lights. Like he'll like, well, I'll have the bathroom lights on. And he like walks in and he's like got a sleep mask on and he's like, what? just turn off those lights. I can't see anything. You know what I mean? Like he like refuses to be by it. So we have our whole, not our whole house, but we have our house set up with like the hue lights, which you can put them on a timer. So right now it's like, they just, as the day goes on, they, they transition into orange lights at night. So you like, don't even have to think about it. Like he has it all set up. It's really cool. So that's definitely. Yeah.
0: And that's a good point. There's a lot of I know iPhone I don't know you can tell me if Android does it as well has sort of a, a sleep timer mode so that they it automatically turns to a more orange screen cuz I did want to say if you're using one of those sleep meditations put your it's I would encourage using an app because you can usually put it on a sleep timer so that way you don't have to touch it and it just ends mm-hmm. and it's just done. You don't have to worry about picking up your phone again because sometimes that's kind of restarts your mind again. It's like, hey, I'm gonna pick my phone and before I, before I know it, it's been 30 minutes and I've been browsing Instagram. So
1: yeah on Android there's an app called Twilight that I use. And then for yeah. your desktop there's an app called um, flux. It's like F.luX and they're all free and it just transitions your screen for you at nighttime so you don't even have to think about it. It's awesome. Perfect.
0: All right. So this is a little bit maybe bigger of a topic. We might go over time today. Sorry, guys. But we wanted to talk about when we were talking about shame and guilt, something that Andrew and I both are pretty passionate about is breastfeeding versus bottle feeding. And I wouldn't say that we're necessarily passionate about which one is the right for right. There's no right one for everyone, you know, but it's the the shame that comes around it is is really hard to overcome i think sometimes i believe and andrea is always welcome to correct me if i'm wrong but we both believe that breastfeeding is the best nutrient for our kids but sometimes it's not the right thing to do for us so i want to we want to talk about just some of the the interactions though we feel and are important to think about with this. So do you want to get started on that?
1: Yeah, I think it really just ties into the shame piece quite a bit because I feel like there's become this, and I feel like so much depends on like which group you hang out with, you know, like which um, Facebook groups you're in and whatnot. But I've noticed that in some of them, just educating someone on breastfeeding is is, as people perceive it as being shamed and what i really want to emphasize or urge people to understand is that getting facts that's that cannot be shameful like there is no i don't think you can dispute the fact that our milk that we could provide for our babies that our baby you know especially like breastfeeding in like our baby is suckling on the nipple because our bodies actually um, receive feedback from our baby saliva and it produces the right amount of nutrients for that baby. Like that is the best, like formula cannot match that unless you're on certain medications, you know, or, you know, you know, there's obviously there's, there's cases where that's not best. You know, if there's a drug addict and they have um, drugs in their body and that would be going to the breast milk. Okay. Then obviously that's not the best, but in almost every other circumstances, Breast milk is the most nutritious for our baby. But like Beth said, that doesn't mean it's always going to be the option. However, I, I would urge people to examine why they feel shame or why they're triggered by something that is like a scientific fact, if that makes sense. So it's really, really common that different statements could trigger different people so for some people just saying you know breast is best is very very triggering and in that case you'd want to really I think the work that needs to happen around there isn't like oh my gosh well why can't I breastfeed what do I need to do it's more like why does that trigger me so much like what are my ingrained beliefs that would cause me to feel so triggered by that statement, and that might go back to some of the things that Beth said earlier of, if you have this belief or this, you know, statement you're running through your head of, I'm a bad mom, I'm a, you know, terrible parent, things like that, then that's like one more thing you could add to your list to prove that point to yourself. If, however, you realize that, no, I am a really good mom, I provide for my kid in every other way, I do all these amazing things for my baby, then not being able to breastfeed for whatever reason might not be so triggering. So I guess I just really want to urge people to like know that there's a reality of what is true. Okay. But it doesn't mean we can all achieve it. So like, for example, I know that like organic, local pastured food is the best, but it doesn't mean I always eat it. And sometimes I'm very actively choosing not to eat it. Like, you know, it would really, really stretch our budget to do that. And I feel like it would make us miserable in other ways that just wouldn't be worth it. And like, that's okay. And, but it's like, I have the, um, the knowledge behind that decision. Like it's a very educated decision. I feel like some people don't ever get educated on why breastfeeding is better than formula. And I think that is a problem because we're so worried about shaming women that like, that education doesn't happen. And I think that always needs to be happening. Um, I think a lot of the work that needs to happen around this is more around the emotional support for moms so that way we can be presenting facts without people feeling like they're being shamed. Um, and so this is just another extreme example, but I feel like it illustrates the point like away from such like a hot topic (laughs) because sometimes it's hard when you're like, if you're feeling shame or triggered by this topic, it's really hard to like be in it and like, kind of view it from the outside is I was on a Facebook group once and someone posted a study that showed the benefits of chewing food versus like the purees for a baby. And this mom posted that she was really upset by this because her baby has to be on a feeding tube and she can't feed him solids and that this is really offensive. How is she ever supposed to, like, she can't give him solids. And that, like, people shouldn't be posting things like that. And I'm just, like, I clearly this woman is, like, really, really upset by her baby situation. As, I mean, I, I can't even imagine my baby being in a feeding tube. Like, there must be so much emotional stuff that goes around that. And, but it doesn't change the fact that there was a scientific study done. And that was the conclusion they came to. So, like, if I can, like say this. It's just like, basically, you can't, not not that you can't but you can, you can obviously be offended by whatever you want to be offended by. But it's like, if there's something that is offending you, I would look to it and be like, all right, is this actually a fact? Is this true? And if so, why am I being so triggered by this? Versus you can't say this, you can't present facts because that triggers me because my baby can't do that. Because obviously in her case, her baby can't eat solids. Like it's not an option. And like, that's okay. Like that would be really bad to give her baby solids. Like that would be harmful. So I guess just backing up and taking that like more outside look at around it. That was a lot. Is that yeah? Anything want to add to that? that was,
0: <laughs> it was a lot, but it was helpful. I my biggest takeaway from what you said, and and what my biggest passion is, is finding find support in whatever it is your goal is. Do your research ahead of time. It's really hard. I I came across a family, a woman who. I was working, and when I'm a pediatric, as my pediatric physical therapy life, and she was exclusively pumping for her child who had a um, a feeding tube, and I mean, God bless her because I probably would. I don't know how long that I would have been able to just exclusively pump. Um, pumping is just not that enjoyable. Doing it four to five times a day, like I was when I was working, was tough, but. She her supply was dropping, and she was so worried because they were trying to test liquids and see do feeding therapy with their child and she was worried about using breast milk for it because he wasn't taking much in and she didn't want to waste it because for someone like her, particularly for many people that are breastfeeding that that is like liquid gold because your supply is not some people. Uh, and 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 have have the trauma of an oversupply but many have an undersupply very few are right on the on the money there with with exactly what their child needs so but no one was giving her the resources to help help support that to to give I I listed I gave her a, I just wrote up and this was a personal experience thing I wrote up uh gave her a couple different websites to go check out and um, I told her about power pumping and a couple of different ways to increase her to supply some supplements to take that I sort of took for granted because I found a fantastic lactation consultant that did online courses. And I will link to her because I, my favorite thing about her, I mean, hers, hers is, her mentality is bottle or boob, my baby is fed with love. And I know that's a little bit not totally in line with what, what you believe, Andrea, which but, but I think that it really opens her the conversation to be held of, do I need help? And th- there is no shame there. It is, you come to me, tell me what your goals are, and we will make it work, and we will figure out what's going to be the best. Do we need to do a little bit of breastfeeding and a little bit of formula, or do we need to eventually wean to formula, or do we need to do a couple things so that we can get your breastfeeding relationship stronger? So, and I did a pumping course from her that taught me how to pump enough while I was at work and how to build up a stash and supply all of this. So, and I just thought that maybe everybody did all of this. So really what I think that one of the key takeaways is if it's something that you are feeling shameful thoughts about, look into why, why it is a stressor, why you're feeling this shame. Is it something that you can control? If it's not something that you can control, let's say you have postpartum depression and it hits you hard and you need to start medication because that is your and your baby's livelihood and you don't want your baby to get that. Well, guess what? You're not going to want to continue to breastfeed. Maybe you pump for a little bit to try to keep up supply and once you, if things improve and you get off the medication, you want to start up again, but it's not worth that. And the other thing that we've talked about, kind of the stress of uh, in relationships with food, I know a lot of people, their kids, all of a sudden they're having an intolerance to dairy. But for the mom, it's a really negative relationship with food for that mom to have to cut out dairy 100% for who knows how long. We already have to be restrictive enough. I mean, you can't eat sushi during pregnancy. You're not supposed to eat soft cheeses. All these things that we're supposed to restrict during pregnancy that you think you get back when when you're breastfeeding, but you don't always. And so I think the most important part is your own mentality your own mindfulness your own stress and the stress that you put on yourself so making the decisions that are right for you and finding resources for whatever whatever kind of route you choose to go is going to be more important than anything else
1: yeah absolutely and i want to say i totally believe that like baby fed with love is by far the most important and i think I think what you touched on is where where some of the issues come in. It's like, yeah, people don't get the education or they're really quick. People are really quick to jump to, oh, you know, this is stressful for you. Stop breastfeeding or stop trying to pump without giving those resources. And I think that's where the issue comes in. I think sometimes the resources aren't given because people are worried about making someone feel shamed or embarrassed or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, it's funny because... So I'm in a lot of obviously holistic moms, like Facebook groups. And in those groups, if you mention an issue with breastfeeding, everyone's like lactation consultant, lactation consultant. And like you said, like, I didn't realize that that wasn't maybe the norm because <laughs> then I was in another group and someone said the same thing, like they are having issues breastfeeding. And it was like, I mean, there was like probably like 50 comments on there and everyone's like, oh, just stop. Yeah, I gave up. I gave up. Like, And I was like, whoa, no one has mentioned lactation consultant. So like I mentioned lactation consultant and like all these people are like, what's that? And I was like, wait, what? Like does not, you know what I mean? It's like, that's where like we all are in our little bubbles and I'm totally in this bubble of like, oh, everyone receives all this great education and support. (laughs) But some of the support can backfire because I know when I first, my baby was first born, everyone like it hurt. Oh my God. It hurts so bad. It was like the most painful. It was like razor blades through my nipples. Okay. <laughs> like terrible. And I was just like, is this normal? And so I would post in these groups and everyone would be like, that's not normal. Pain is so bad. You need to go see a lactation consultant. And it really, really stressed me out. Cause I was like, Oh my God, this isn't normal. Like this is bad. And you know, I, I did see a lactation consultant. Like I saw the doula and then I saw someone in the hospital. Um, when it, just right when he was born, and, you know, everyone's like, it looks normal, like, it just, it just is what it is, like, it's gonna Maybe hurt. you're just more sensitive. Exactly, and then, like, after, I don't know, two or three weeks, like, it was fine, like, it just, just went away on its own, and I just kind of was like, well, duh, like, I'm having someone, some baby suck on my boob for, like, 10 hours a day when my boobs have never been sucked on that much before, let's be real, like, <laughs> <laughs> they just aren't ready for that. So I feel like sometimes the whole like lactation consultant and support thing can go too far because had someone just been like it's going to freaking hurt. Like I think I had like a friend and my sister were like, "Yeah, it's going to hurt. Like you're breastfeeding for the first time ever. Like deal with it. you for a few weeks and it'll go away." I was like, "Oh, okay." And it like took all this like stress off of it. So I think just yeah, Question any advice given, like kind of know who it's from. Does it really make sense? Ask different resources, you know, and and then take the time to process it yourself would be another <laughs> takeaway. Yes.
0: And I, I think it's really important that we, we do take it for granted, I think, that, well, I try not to, but that we're in this holistic community. So a lot of our resources are just there. And there are times where I choose – not to do research on a certain thing because I know that it will stress me out more. You know, there are certain things it's like, you know what, you know, like you were talking about the meat. I know what meat is best, but I know what my budget can handle and I know where I'm choosing to spend that. And so that's sort of, you know, it's, there's just those certain things that it's like, if I can't actually make that decision afterwards, after doing the research, and I'm just going to stress about making the wrong decision. I sort of avoid the research on it, but and I also think it's really good to, to have some mom friends of a I I want to say of a variety of different backgrounds because, you know, having some that have the same viewpoint as you is great, but having some that's, you know, one, a little bit one way or a little bit other way, you can have that friend. Like I have one friend that she, like, I feel like She's the perfect mom. Everything goes right. Her last child, she gave birth. She got to the hospital, gave birth two hours later. Like, maybe that's number three for you. But I feel like everything goes right for her. And then I have another friend that it's like, she is just treading water. And she's, she's hilarious about it. And she's just, she knows where she is. And she's just like, so open about like, hey, this shit is hard. So having those two friends, it's like, okay, I can be right here in the middle and I'm going to be just fine. So I'm going to wrap it up because we're getting a little over time and I'm not going to do our me time segment this week, but I just want you guys to think about every day you make decisions about your life. That in itself, choosing the right decision for you, whether it's I'm going to have this for breakfast or I'm not going to have this for breakfast, is me time. That is you taking care of yourself. So think about that this week, that you don't necessarily need to go get a massage or even go to the gym by yourself for an hour. Just choosing something that's going to make you feel better and not worse is important.
1: I love that.
0: So that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. Next week, we will be talking about fertility. Follow us on social media for news updates and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Pizza Real Eats and Andrea at Life Liberty Health on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com.